Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. It's Easter. It's my favorite time of the year. I like this time of the year because I like having Easter dinner. You know, and there's going to be ham and potatoes and all the goodies and, of course, sweet tea. And so everything's going to be great. No, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like Easter. I like Easter because of the reality of what Easter means. Easter, to be very honest with you, is the turning point in all of human history. Something happened almost 2,000 years ago in Palestine that never has happened since. will only happen one other time, and that's when you and I experience it ourselves. But whatever happened in that grave when Jesus arose from the dead would forever change human history and forever change our lives. In fact, on the front of your bulletin, there's a little statement there. It says, Jesus is alive. Life will never be the same. And my friends, life will never be the same because Jesus is alive. And the question for you this morning and what we're going to look at today is whether or not you believe that. See, I mean, the fact of the reality of Jesus and him being alive is there. The tomb is empty. He was seen by many eyewitnesses. And now the issue is whether or not you believe that. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the issue of the resurrection. And we're going to look at this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where the Apostle Paul really discusses the reality of, okay, what if it didn't happen? Because he was addressing some folks in Corinth who were saying that the dead don't rise. Well, if the dead don't rise, Paul says, there's some implications for us. But then he goes to the reality that the dead do rise. Jesus is risen. And here's something that you and I can glean from, some implications because of that. So we're going to look at the reality. Easter is just not another day. It's just not a holiday. It signifies something very important. And if you're a believer here today, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the implications are tremendous. So notice with me, we're in 1 Corinthians 15. If you're using a pew Bible, that's page 608. We're going to start with verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we have been found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he, ra- he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then also have those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
Since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, and afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. We're going to look at two things from this passage this week. We're going to look at the reality of, okay, what if there is no resurrection? That's the first section. No resurrection? That's a big question we're going to ask ourselves. And then there's also the reality of, there is a resurrection. What is the impact of that? So let's look at the question, first of all, if there's no resurrection. Paul's going to make several points here that you and I need to grasp. The first one is this. If there is no resurrection, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, if his body is in some grave in the ground somewhere in Judea this day, there's some implications for you and I. And the first one is this. We see it in verse 14. Notice what he says in verse 14. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Here's what he's saying. Our beliefs are meaningless. If Jesus isn't alive, if he didn't rise from the dead, then we might as well just hang it up, folks. I mean, the band did a great job. We enjoyed the music. I mean, we could still have the dinner. I mean, we'll just celebrate the Easter Bunny. But if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, what you believe is completely meaningless. You can't have Christianity. You can't have faith in God in Jesus without the reality of Jesus rising from the dead. It's, that's it's the bottom line. If he didn't rise from the dead, if he's not alive today, everything we believe is totally meaningless. Let's just hang it up. That's what Paul's saying. If the dead don't rise, then what we believe is totally meaningless. Our preaching is empty. Everything I've ever said is totally meaningless. I've just spouted off nothing but words. Everything you've ever believed about God is totally meaningless. That's the point he's making here. The next point he's saying here, and he gets a little bit more specific, and here's what he says. Yes, verse 15, he says, And yes, we have been found false witnesses of God, for we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. Here's what he's saying. Here's, it's pretty blatant. We're liars. We are liars. I mean, think about that. If, if there's no resurrection, how many of you, I mean, think about it for a moment. You've shared with your friends, maybe they're going through a difficulty, maybe they're going through a struggle, and you've shared the reality of Jesus in your life and how Jesus has been there for you and that Jesus can be there for them. You know what I'm talking about. You, you and I do that kind of thing, especially when folks are going through hard times. And that all they need to do is just trust in Jesus, and Jesus will get them through it. How many of you, you know what I'm talking about? You've done it, right? Here's the reality. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you're a liar. 
And every word of comfort we've ever given, given is meaningless. Every word of hope we've ever given is totally zero. If there was no resurrection, if there, if there was no Easter, so to speak, the tomb wasn't empty, if Jesus Christ did not physically raise up from the dead, we're liars. That's what Paul's saying. We are false witnesses. That's just a nice way of saying we're a liar. And let's be honest, we don't like being called liars, do we? If Jesus didn't raise from the grid, we're a liar. You know who the biggest liar is? Me. A pastor, because that's what I get paid to do, isn't it? Tell you that he's alive. And that's the implication there, is that our beliefs are meaningless and we're liars. Now, here's the other one. You say, okay, you know, I can see that, but this next one. Look at verse 17. It gets a little bit more specific. If there was no resurrection, there's another implication here that you and I need to grasp. Look at verse 17. Look at what it says there. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Notice, my translation puts a, an interesting punctuation at the end of that verse. It's an exclamation point. They're trying to get my attention here, because if, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, folks, I'm not forgiven, and neither are you. In fact, listen to me, folks. A lot of the songs that we sang, even though it's Easter and we sang about the resurrection, when Mike sang his song about the suffering of Christ, it was about the cross. If there was no resurrection, the cross is meaningless. If there was no resurrection, I want you to think about it. Think about the stuff you've done in your life that you regret, that you carry the shame for. Think about the stuff that you wish that just would go away. The reality is that if there was no resurrection, here's what Paul's saying. You're still in your sins. There's no forgiveness. The only hope of forgiveness, listen to me folks, is because Jesus arose from the dead. And because he arose from the dead, everything that he said would happen is true. He validated everything. What did he say? He said, I'm going to die for you. Greater love have no man than this, than he laid down his life for a friend. See, without the resurrection, without Jesus rising from the dead, do you see how the core of everything we believe is there? And if it's not there, it's meaningless? I mean, think about it for a moment. I, 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 you know, every one of us here has a skeleton in the closet of some type. And you don't want anybody finding out about it. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're thankful that he's forgiven you. But here's the reality. If there was no resurrection, there's no forgiveness. Wow. No forgiveness. None. But that's not the only thing he's telling us here. There's another implication here that we need to see, that if there's no resurrection, look with me at verse 18. This one is tremendous. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Here's what he's saying. No resurrection. Here's the reality. All will go to hell. You know, as a pastor, I, I get involved with folks a lot in their lives, in different points in their lives, sickness, marriages, and death. And one of the things that I, I think that helps us through the issue of death is we have a hope. There's always a hope. A hope 
that the person who died trusted in Jesus and is with him now. That's the hope we have. Whenever there's death, there's always a hope. Have you noticed that? But here's the implication. The reason why we have a hope, the reason why we have a hope that there is something more beyond the grave is because Jesus was raised from the grave. Because Jesus is alive. And my friends, if Jesus isn't alive, there's no hope. Then all our loved ones who've died and gone on, they're gone on. They're, they're gone. We'll never see them again. The reality of no resurrection means that those folks are forever gone. And when we die, we'll be forever gone as well. If there's no resurrection, then all go to hell. And then finally, here's the point. Look with me at verse 19. I think he sums it up very well. He says this, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiful. What's he saying here? We are to be pitied. Look, if there's no resurrection, then we're to be pitied. Haven't you ever met somebody who believes something you know that was just totally wrong, and and and, and they just are convinced it's going to ha- that it happened? They're one of these conspiracy people, you know, that believes that Elvis and J- JFK and Marilyn Monroe are all playing cards in some some garage somewhere out in Utah. Do, do you know what I mean? Jim Morrison's there too. They're not dead. It's all fake. And when you hear that kind of stuff, what, what's the, what are the feelings you have when you hear somebody espouse that kind of thinking? I'll, I'll be honest with you. you. You pity them, don't you? They're like, you know, where are they coming from? Or what you been smoking? Or did you have too many sausages the night before? What's, what's up here? Isn't that true? This is what Paul is saying. If there's no resurrection, then folks, we're just like those folks. We believe something that's totally bogus. And we act like it's real. And we are to be pitied because there's something wrong with us. Do you understand why everything you believe, everything you hold to, everything that you hope in, everything that you trust in is hinged on one reality? And my friends, that's what we're celebrating today, the resurrection. Because without the resurrection, there is no hope in life after this. Without the resurrection, there is no forgiveness of sins. Without the resurrection, what you believe is meaningless. Thank goodness there's a resurrection. In fact, isn't that what Paul says? Look with me. Verse 20, he just starts off and he says this. But now Christ is risen from the dead. Praise the Lord. See, all of that all of what he just shared with us about no, no hope, no forgiveness, we're to be pitied, we're, what we believe is meaningless, all of that, he's saying, is based on the assumption that there is no resurrection. But my friends, there is a resurrection. So guess what? We have a hope. We have forgiveness. Our faith is meaningful. And here's the implications. Here's the implications. We're going to see it here. First of all, notice with me, we're going to see it in verses 20. Through 28. First of all, notice verses 20 and 22 through 22. Look at what he says there. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. 
For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Here's the reality of the resurrection. Here's the impact. Life comes through Jesus Christ. Life comes through Jesus Christ. Death came through one man. Who's that? Adam. Death came through one man. Because of his sin, all were condemned to hell. But through one man, Jesus, and his sacrifice on the cross, came life. Now, you said, but it's not just the cross. No. Because he rose, comes life. And I know I have life because he rose. And he's the first fruits. What does that mean, the first fruits? What's that big Bible word? What does that mean? He is the beginning of the many who would rise. Who's the many? All those who trust Jesus. All those who trust Jesus. So the reality is, is that life comes through Jesus Christ. But then there's something else here that needs to be the implication of the resurrection, and that's this. Look with me at verse 23 through 25. We don't often equate this with Easter, but we need to. Look at what it says here. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end, when he will deliver the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Here's what I want you to say. Here's another implication of the resurrection. Here's the reality that you and I need to face and we need to grasp. We're not just celebrating the fact that the tomb's empty. We're also celebrating another fact here, my friends. And here's what it is. He will come back to rule. See, when we celebrate Easter, when we celebrate the fact that he rose from the dead, we've got to celebrate the fact that he said he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to rule the world, according to his way, not our way, but he's going to rule. Jesus is coming back. See, here's the thing. I know the, valid, the validity of his coming back because why? He rose from the dead. He said he would come back. He said he would establish his kingdom. And at that point, it isn't going to matter what party we vote for or if you don't vote for any because none of them got it right. And the reality is, is there's only one who has it right, and he's coming back. And when he rules, he'll rule. And so the implication of the resurrection is not just that I have life in him, it's the reality that one day King Jesus is coming back, King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's reality. And that's the reality I need to grasp and I need to face. And then there's one final reality, and this is the one that I appreciate the most. There's one final impact of the resurrection that really impacts me beyond anything. And it should impact you as well. Look at verse 26. Notice what he says there. And the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Here's the implication of the resurrection. Here's the most wonderful thing about the resurrection. It's not just that I have life in Jesus. It's not just that one day he will come back. But here's what he says. Death will be destroyed. Death will be destroyed. You know, I'm going to be honest with you, I hate death. I've watched loved ones die. Some of them taken, just taken. 
I've watched friends suffer and die. I've watched the grief afterwards that continues on, never ends. Don't let anybody fool you. You know, I, you know, I get, you know what, one of the things that ticks me off as a pastor, I'll let you know what ticks you off so you don't say this in my, my company anymore, is when somebody goes through grief of the loss of a loved one, to hear someone say, when are they going to get over it and get on with life? Can you think of something so uncaring and so insensitive? They're never going to get over it. They're never going to get on with life. So leave them alone. Death is terrible. I hate it. We should all hate it. And we, we you know, we, we have them, in, we have the established, we've got two or three right here in our community, funeral homes. And we drive by and we know where they're at, but we don't like going there, do we? Why? Because it represents something that we hate more than anything, death. And it's a reality that faces all of us. And here is the implication of Easter. Because in Easter we celebrate one who rose from the dead. And the reality is because he rose from the dead, those who believe will rise from the dead. And here's what we see. In the end, when he comes back, there is one final enemy that is destroyed. And the Bible reads it. You can go all the way to Revelation. I think it's chapter 20. The end of chapter 20, it says this. And death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. Isn't that wonderful? Death will be destroyed. You know what? The implication from Revelation is this. I'll just give a side note here. i got some time. Might as well. We're going to be with him. And one day, every one of you who trusts in Jesus Christ will be with him, and we will see death cast into hell. And you know what I think will happen when we see that happen? We will hear the greatest shout we've ever heard for joy and rejoicing, because the enemy of all of us will be cast into hell forever and ever and ever. Isn't that wonderful? See, Easter is not just about ham. Come on, think about it for a moment. They were Jewish. They don't eat ham anyhow. But I'm not, so I will, okay? It's not just about eggs and chocolate. It's not just about family. It's about the greatest turning point in all of humanity when Jesus Christ came, lived among us, died for us, and rose again. And we're going to have a future. So don't just fluff it off. In fact, as I close this, i got three thoughts for you. Three things for you to grasp today, to think about. The first one is this, and this is for each one of you. You need to think about this. You need to grasp the reality of it. Don't let it just fluff off of you. You've got to ask yourself this question. What do you believe about the resurrection? It's a nice story, George. Learned it in Sunday school. Been hearing a lot about it on the radio kind of goes together with the Easter Bunny thing. What do you believe about it? Is it just a story? Or is it reality to you? See, let me explain something to you. If it's, if it's just a story, no wonder when you share with others about Jesus, it has no meaning. Because unless Jesus is alive to you, what you share about him is meaningless. What do you believe about the resurrection? Is he alive or is he dead? If he's dead, let's just hang up. Don't come. You're wasting your time. There's something better on TV. Go to the Western Channel. Watch John Wayne. Or watch something else. 
What do you believe about the resurrection? Because what you believe about the resurrection really has implications. We already talked about it. If there's no resurrection, what does that mean? No hope, no forgiveness, no life. The grave is it. What do you believe about it? Then the next thing is this. Recognize that he is alive. Recognize that he is alive. In fact, look with me. If, if Just in the same passage, Paul's going to tell you what the gospel is. How do we know he's alive? Here's what Paul says. Look with me in verse 1. He says this, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received in which you stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas, or Peter, and then by the Twelve, and then He was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And then He was seen by James, and then by all the apostles, and then last of all He was seen by me also, as one born out of due time. We have the words of one who's seen him. He's alive. Recognize that he's alive. There's an implication here. Hold on. Some of you here, you need to know the reality that he's alive. He is. And he will show himself mighty in your life if you truly seek him. But you've got to seek him. He's alive. Recognize that he's alive. And then Here's the final point. Embrace Jesus Christ. You know, here's the wonderful thing. Here's the wonderful thing about Easter. It's not something abstract. What do you mean by that, George? Well, I'll be honest with you. For me, it's something personal. It's something personal. What do you mean by that, George? Here's what I mean. Jesus being alive is not just some abstract fact that I believe. I know he's alive. Why? Because I see him working in my life and I sense him speaking to me in my walk with him. He's alive. See, I've got to recognize it. And when I recognize it, I've got to embrace it. I've got to embrace the relationship that he wants to have with me. And that I see him working in my life continually. You know, I've been a believer now. This month, I'll be a, I, I became a believer in Jesus Christ in April of 1985, so it's 25 years now. I'm getting old. But I'm going to be honest with you. My times with Jesus now were sweeter than they've ever been. Because I'll be honest with you, I'm growing to know the reality of Him being alive more and more, and He speaks to me. Not in some, George, I want you to do this voice. No, no. When I read His Word, the guidance of God's Spirit in my life, I can't help but see that He's real. And it makes me want to embrace Him even more. He's alive. See, Easter is really, can I be honest with you, every Sunday is Easter. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Can I be honest with you, every day is Resurrection Day when you embrace the reality of Jesus Christ. So embrace it. It's there. But it goes back to one point. What do you believe? 
What do you believe? Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.